Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Luke chapter 18 and reading for our text, verse 1. Luke 18 and verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And I felt this evening to bring before you, to bring before me, some incentives to prayer. Very often we get very disheartened, very downcast, we end up backward in prayer and we don't pray. And I felt that it would be a good thing to look at the Word of God and seek that we might be really encouraged this evening in prayer. What is prayer? Well, in this passage, the Lord followed up with the parable, a earthly story with a spiritual meaning, where that immediately follows our text, and he follows that one with a real-life example of two men going up into the temple to pray. And here not only is the comparison of two men, but there is a comparison of two prayers as well. Both were said to be praying. And yet the prayer of the Pharisee, we are told that he stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. That was his so-called prayer. Then we read of the publicans, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And our Lord tells us that this man, the publican, the tax collector, the one that sought mercy, went down to his house justified or free from guilt, free from condemnation, rather than the other. How much pride was in the prayer of the Pharisee. And so it's not just any prayer. It is prayers as set forth before us in the scriptures. We think of the Syrophoenician woman, Lord help me, a very short prayer, but very effectual prayer. What is prayer? It is man. Speaking to God, coming to God through a mediator, through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, coming to God on his warrant, on his command, knowing that the scriptures testify that I will for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. They're set before us in the word 
many things that we cannot do for ourselves that God can do for us and the way that he has ordained that he will do them for us is that we pray and we ask him for these things. We would remember that when we pray that we are making supplication, we're coming before the God of heaven and of earth, the King of kings and Lord of lords, never losing sight of his greatness, his majesty, his might, not only in those things that we ask him to do, but also who he is, having a perfect plan and counsel. And so we are not coming with demands. We, we are not coming in a way that we are treating our God like a, a puppet, puppet and he must do exactly what we say. It's a great mercy that we come if the Lord will. And we should remember that many of our prayers in our lives, many of the prayers of the people of God, there's been many days, many years, before they have been answered. Sometimes they've been answered in different ways than what they thought. Time is a very important thing regarding prayer. And so we must not be discouraged. And the very parable that is before us was spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, he knows full well that men are liable to faint. Men are liable to give up praying, to be disheartened, to withhold prayer. We've sung of it in our hymns, haven't we? And so we would aim this evening to encourage in prayer, encourage to wait on the Lord and to look to him in that way that he has appointed. And so I want to look at four headings and really even if even if your mind wanders after those four headings, if those remain with you, those remain with me, then they alone will give us some meditation, some help to continue in prayer. Now first one, I'll name them first and then we'll go back over and look more deeply into them. But the first is our Lord's example. May we never forget that. Our Lord is a real man. He shows us the example of continuing in prayer. The second is the word of God directly exhorting to prayer. Our text is part of this. It's our Lord telling us that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So we should look for the scriptures and be mindful as we read the word of God of those direct, clear commands, clear directions to pray. 
The third is the experience of God's dear people in Scripture. Right through the Scriptures, we read of the lives of God's children, and their lives are lives of prayer. So again, as we read through the Word of God and read the lives of the people of God, may we have this in the back of our minds. Where is prayer in their lives? What example do they show the generations that have followed? The fourth is our own experience of answers to prayer. We can very easily forget those times that we have cried to the Lord and he has answered our prayers. And I would include with this not only the experience that we have had of the Lord answering our own prayers, but when we have heard of our fellow Christians, our brethren, sometimes not even heard of them, we have seen answers to prayer of those that we walk with. So we're not going there to the scriptures, we're going to the present day and seeing the Lord's dear people walking out this. And that is to be an encouragement to us the times the Lord has answered our prayers. So let us then go back and and look at these points in some more detail. Firstly, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We read in Luke 6 that our Lord went into a mountain and continued all night in prayer. What an example that that is. Our Lord, a real man on earth, Emmanuel, God with us, great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. But this part of being a man, and that man communicates with God through prayer, our Lord Jesus Christ so clearly walked out. In one way, it is a wonderful testimony that he truly and really was man, made like unto his brethren, sin accepted of the seed of Abraham, and praying unto his Father. Our text is that men ought always to pray, not to faint, continuing in prayer. And the Lord did that, not just one occasion, but many occasions we read of him separating from his dear disciples and going on his own to have that communion, fellowship with his Father. We would especially remember that which happened as he neared to the cross, as he comes into Gethsemane, a garden where he oft resorted with his disciples and no doubt many times prayed there. And we see him separating but a stone's cast from his disciples and praying 
the same words three times. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And we see him pressed down with the weight of his people's sin, imputed on him, laid on him, he hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he's under that sense of the weight of sin and in agony that he is praying. What an incentive that is. When things are weighing upon us, when our sins are weighing upon us, when we're separated from our brethren, when we're struggling in ourselves to fulfil the will of God and to pray those same words is not vain repetition. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Prayer relative to our cup. What is our cup this evening? What is our cup? that is in our hand, put in our hand to drink it, to walk it out. Whenever we think of that cup, whatever is our lot, our path, what did our Lord do in that path? He prayed. And he sought that, even coming apart from his dear disciples, they couldn't help him. Many times we may feel the same. Brethren cannot help, close as they may be, as his disciples were, his particular path. They couldn't fully enter into it, but he could go and pray. And you and I can follow our Lord in, in that path as well. Later, when the soldiers came and Judas came and Peter had the sword and our Lord said to him, Put up thy sword within its sheath. Thinkest thou not that I could pray my father and he presently give me twelve legion of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? How Lord subject to the scriptures being fulfilled? Would not pray to rest them, to twist them, to overturn them? And yet knowing that he could pray, he could ask for these things, but it would not be right to ask. You know, again, a real example of our Lord walking apart. We do not know, of course, what is before us, but sometimes we have a persuasion of what the Lord's will and purpose is and what the Lord has told us. And it governs what we can pray for and what we can't. And with our Lord, he desired that the scriptures might be fulfilled. We think especially of our Lord upon the cross. How that many of his utterances were prayers. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His last breath, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. These are his prayers. These are the breathings of prayer in offering the 
great sacrifice for sin in making that atonement for his people's sins. We think of what is recorded in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 relative to that. We read, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And in the previous chapter, at the close of chapter 4, having set forth the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest that is ascended into heaven, that cannot be touched, not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, he is touched by them, yet tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. We have this great encouragement to prayer, to come to the throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an example of prayer. We think of the publican again, God be merciful to me a sinner. We think of the amount of times that we have need. And here is prayer. Find grace to help in times of need. Maybe not the thorn taken away like Paul sought first, but my grace is sufficient uh, for thee. But to go back to John 17, where our Lord speaks that beautiful high priestly prayer to his Father on behalf of his people. The chapter begins, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father. And following that chapter, you can read through it, the beautiful utterances of prayer, of what the Lord has done, what he will for his people, that his Father would keep them from evil. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And then in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. This beautiful chapter is the Lord's Prayer for his people, for those immediately there, his disciples, but for those that should believe, and that includes us, through their word. He says again, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Our Lord walked that path of prayer 
And we have a little sample here in John 17 of the Lord's intercession in heaven. But he will have it that his people come, present their petitions to him of his sufferings, his death, his merits, his name before the Father. May we remember that the Lord has bidden us to ask in his dear name. But in this first point, let us not forget our Lord's example, the path that he walked, that example he set. The Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ. And where we know the Apostle Paul's writings, we will know that he also walked the path of prayer. So may we be encouraged in this. May this give us a real incentive to prayer and to continue in prayer our Lord's example. But then secondly, the word of God. What does the word of God say directly concerning prayer? There are many texts, of course, that we could bring before you this evening. We'll just mention just a few. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, our Lord here is speaking. He says, In all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Our Lord directing to pray and to ask. We think of the Apostle Paul. We mentioned how that he was a follower of our Lord. In the context of our text here, we had the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. And you might say in Saul, the Apostle Paul, there was both those characters, the Pharisee first and then the publican. Because when the Lord met with him and converted him on the Damascus road, the thing that he said to Ananias in sending him to him was, Behold, he prayeth, which would seem a strange thing to be said of someone that was a Pharisee because they were well known for their prayers, but really praying this time. And so it's not surprising that the Lord used in the inspired word of God the Apostle Paul in giving several directions to prayer. We have it with Peter as well, but with Uh, Paul especially, he writes to the Romans and he says to them in Romans chapter 12 and, and verse 12, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And, and you have this picture of the tribulation, these great troubles and patient in that, enduring in it, and still praying, 
still hoping, actually rejoicing in hope. Then when he writes to the Colossians, he uh, says to them that they also are to continue in prayer. In Colossians 4 and verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Of course, continuing, it implies there's been that beginning, beginning to pray, but as in our text, the Lord is dwelling upon this tendency. We might begin, but how to continue? How to be constant? How to be importunate? How to be continuing when it doesn't seem to be that those prayers are being answered? And so the scripture exhortation is continuing in prayer. Then when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, his first epistle to them in chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Now again, such a short text, just like the Lord help me, three words. But such to the point, giving that very clear direction clear message of the Holy Spirit who is the author, the inspirer of the word of God. His message to you and to me, pray without ceasing. Now I know of course we we go about our daily lives but very often there can be a breathing of prayer but it is mean not to give up, not to stop praying. Still pray, says the hymn writer, for God will all explain, nor shalt thou seek his face in vain. Then when he writes to Timothy in his first epistle and chapter 2, he exhorts in the first verse that first of all supplications prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That is, not every single individual, but all men of every nation, kindred and tongue, all men, whether they are kings, whether they are a poor man or a rich man, whatever station they hold in society, we're not to think, well, they're excluded from our prayers. We cannot pray for them, mustn't pray for them. Their direction here. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, writing to Timothy, 
is for all men. And then later on in verse 8 of the same chapter, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. The very clear directions of the word of God to pray and to be instant in prayer. Our Lord exhorted to ask and it shall be given thee. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And he said, If ye being evil, ye fathers, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And so it is in prayer, asking for the Spirit. The Lord deliver us from perhaps using that excuse in prayer, well, I haven't the Spirit. Or unless that sp- the prayer is really indicted and I know it is, then I'm not going to pray. The Lord says, no, you ask. You even ask for the Spirit. He gives grace for grace the spirit of grace and of supplications, and then he gives that grace of the answer to those supplications. The word of God directs us to pray. Well, there are many, many other very clear directions, but I want to pass on to the experience of the Lord's dear people in the word of God. We sung in our middle hymn of Moses. This was when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were attacked by Amalek, attacking the weak, attacking them from behind. And Moses, he went up the mount and held up his rod. Joshua is fighting with Amalek. And all the time Moses held up his rod, then Amalek was beaten. Aaron and Hur held up his hands so that they didn't fall down. It's a beautiful illustration, really, a prayer, invoking the power of God. On one hand, there's Joshua using the means, the normal means of fighting with sword and spear. But there is prayer. The two go together. I often think of the example given, I think in one of Mr. Ansbottom's books, of a, uh, two girls running to catch a train. And they thought that they are likely to miss it. So one of them said, let us stop and pray that we might catch the train. The other one said, no, let us run as fast as we can and pray while we are running. And they were joining the two things together, not stopping running and praying, not just running and not praying, but running and praying. And may that be a word to us 
as well, the same as what Moses and what Joshua did. Sometimes we might think of the brethren, some are more prone to be men, women, much of prayer, and others more of action. But in a way, what a teamwork was here. Israel had these, these two characters, Joshua and Moses. And one is praying and one is fighting. And they are working together and the Lord gives them deliverance. We think of Solomon in the dedication of the temple, the longest prayer that is recorded in the word of God. And as he sets forth many of the things that may come upon the children of Israel, and in each time he is saying, if the people of God come into these situations, and if they then pray toward this temple, then hear thou in heaven, thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. It's a beautiful intercessory prayer, and after he prayed, we read that the Lord came down, the sacrifice was kindled from heaven, the smoke filled the temple, and the Lord visited Solomon in a dream afterwards and told him that his prayer was answered. It really is a, a, a beautiful example of prayer, especially when we think the temple was a type of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and here in prayer it's been dedicated as pointing all of the people of God in all their times of need to look unto the Lord Jesus Christ. How Daniel followed that in Babylon, so many miles away from Jerusalem. And in his day also the temple was destroyed. But three times a day he opened his windows toward Jerusalem and prayed. Exactly as what Solomon had prayed and envisaged the children of Israel would do and had asked that the Lord would hear and answer those prayers. And how much they were answered in Daniel's case. We think of Elisha and Elijah. Elijah especially is referred to in the epistle of James. And we're told there Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. In James 5 verse 17. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. You know what an example of prayer. The Lord bringing about his, his counsels, his purposes, and there's a man just like us. And how we see that when he went to flee from Jezebel to Mount Horeb, how he needed strengthening, how he needed help, just like we are. 
but he is an example set before us. The Apostle Paul often in his epistles, in fact, probably all of them, he asks for an interest in their prayers. Whoever he wrote to, he assured them that he was praying for them and he sought an interest in their prayers. He valued the prayers of others and he knew that his prayers for others were not worthless. They weren't useless. It was walking out a path the Lord had appointed. We think of Peter. When Peter was in prison, he was asleep. He wasn't praying. His hands were bound. His feet in the stocks, the doors shut and guarded. But the church was praying. The church was in the house of John Mark, and there they were praying. And the Lord heard, the Lord answered, sent his angel, loose Peter. Peter came to the house, and when he knocks and Rhoda was sent to listen, she hears Peter's voice, and she didn't open it for, for, for joy. She runs back in and tells them, and they didn't believe her. They said, it's his angel. He continued knocking. When they opened the door, there he was. You might say, how did the Lord answer such doubting, unbelieving prayers? Prayers that, well, you think they would have rejoiced immediately. Well, this is what we've been praying for, instead of saying it can't be him. But it's an encouragement to us, isn't it? When we feel the unbelief, we feel the doubts, we feel the same as them, the Lord heard their prayers. A church praying for one of its members in distress, in need. We mentioned before about the Apostle Paul. Behold, he prayed. The first time that he really, really prayed. And then we read the time that he was in prison in Philippi with Silas. Again, feet in the stocks, being scourged. And there they were singing the praises of God and praying unto God. God sends a great earthquake. The doors open, their bands are loosed. The centurion going to kill himself, thinking the prisoners escaped. And Paul cries out to him, Do thyself no harm, we all hear. And the Lord used it for the conversion of the whole of that centurion's house. They spake unto them the word of the Lord. He sprang in, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. What things were done by prayer. You think of the apostles in the pattern that was set right at the, in the early church, right at the beginning in Acts of the Apostles as they uh, begin the record of how they are continuing to walk. You have in chapter 1 and verse 14 a listing of the apostles, the twelve apostles, and then these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, a prayer meeting set before us there right at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. And there's several times when they had gathered for prayer, the house was shaken. The Lord blessed them when they prayed. The example of the Lord's dear people. Maybe be mindful of this as we read through the scriptures. May we always think, uh, and may from, from this time forth we, we think of this, what are they doing? Are they praying? How are they using prayer? What answers did they have? How did the Lord appear for them and help them? What a difference prayer made. So we have the experience of the Lord's dear people in Scripture. But then lastly we have our experience of answers to prayer. We are very prone to forget, to lay aside and to really not think of what the Lord has done for us in prayer. The devil is very, very quick as well to take away from us what a miracle, what a wonder prayer was. There are many times that I've been in a difficult situation or something lost or something that we needed the Lord to appear. There's been much prayer and the Lord has answered. But then the devil has said, well, it would have happened anyway. That wasn't really an answer to prayer. And he minimises it. We have it in the Proverbs, it is naught, it is naught, saith the buyer. When he goeth his way, then he boasteth, like someone answering an advert, something is for sale. And the person comes along and they say, oh, look, there's a dent here, and there's something wrong here, and there's something wrong there, and they beat them down, they get them for a lower, lower price, then they go their way and they boast to everyone what a good deal they've got. But we have the devil trying to do that as well with the people of God. wasn't really prayer. It's naught, it's naught. It's, it's no real answer, no real miracle. And he'll try to rob God of his glory and the praise due to his name. You remember when... The Lord healed those ten lepers and only one returned to give glory to God. Where are the nine? In the book of Samuel we have the example of Hannah and she comes after she'd had Samuel. For this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition that I have asked of him clear answer to prayer Samuel but in the next chapter we read her in prayer again this time she's not mentioning Samuel it is all in praise all which she's speaking to God is in praise in thanksgiving is in adoring and it'd be a wonderful thing a blessed thing if our prayers always resulted in that it is to offer our supplications with thanksgiving. Sometimes we leave that out. But where the Lord answers to prayer, then there's that returning again with thanksgiving. And that reinforces what has been done, reinforces something the Lord has done for us, appeared for us. And doesn't it allow it to just be 
a coincidence or would have happened anyway, but we're able to more clearly see that the Lord has done it. Sometimes I use the device, if you like, of in my mind going back to when I was in need, going back to before the Lord appeared, before that appearing in providence, before the help given, and to imagine myself, what if this had not have happened? What if the Lord hadn't have heard prayer? What if it was in the same position? I was still asking for this, still praying for it. And in the light of that, and then realising, well, actually, the Lord has appeared, then we can give thanks, clearly. And so may we think back, you and I, on what the Lord has done in our lives in answer to prayer, and maybe if we struggle with ourselves, to think of others that we've known, parents, loved ones, brethren, in the Church of God, those who have prayed to the Lord, asked of him, they've been able to testify to us and to the church how the Lord had answered their prayers, appeared for them, and that's been strengthening to the brethren. And where that is the case with us, let us not be slow to speak to the Lord's honour and glory of what he has given to us and appeared for us in answer to prayer. You know, the strength of prayer, how the Lord could ever give to a hell-deserving sinner anything, is what the Lord has accomplished at Calvary. It is the payment that has been made, the debt that has been settled, the peace God and sinners reconciled in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that throne of grace the mercy seat sprinkled with the precious blood of Christ. That is why we can come boldly and that is why the Lord can righteously and holily give answers to prayer. Not for our good, not for what is in us. May we always remember that in prayer. We're not bringing our good works and saying, Lord, I've done my bit, you do yours. Remember our text and the context of it, the example of the publican, what was he pleading? Not his own works, not like the Pharisee, he's pleading for mercy. And yet very often we hear ourselves say or others say that, well, the Lord knows my life, how can he ever give me anything? How can he answer my prayers? Is not that we should sin that grace might abound, but prayer is appointed for sinners. Sinners to approach a holy God, sinners to plead the precious name of Jesus, and to ask, and to stand by and see as the Lord works wonders and appears for us and answers our petitions in his own time and way. But until he answers them, May we know that we are walking in the path our Lord walked. May we know that we are walking in the path that the Scriptures exhort us to. May we know that we are walking in the path that the dear saints of old in the Scriptures walked out as well. May we know that we are walking in the path that I trust the Lord has already 
given us to experience those answers to prayer. The Lord bless us then with being encouraged to this end, the end in our text, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Amen.